You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1281 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening here in Las Vegas. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast and making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out on a podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and also on the video side with YouTube, where you can see me right now, coming to you again from Las Vegas. And we'll be breaking down a victory for the Atlanta Hawks, a 87-86 come-from-behind win. The Hawks were down by double digits for a large portion of this afternoon game in Las Vegas. I know because of the early start, people probably didn't see all of this game necessarily, but I will have the Bible breakdown here in a second. And also later on in the podcast, I'll be joined by Graham Chapel of Peachtree Hoops. Graham is always plugged into what's going on with the Hawks from across the pond. Graham is from Ireland. You'll see him and hear him later on in the podcast. But First things first, an update on A.J. Griffin, who uh, did not play again for the Hawks. His fourth consecutive missed game in Las Vegas. He's not played a professional game just yet for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, There was a little bit more of an update that I was able to glean during the game itself. He actually, I was told, had an MRI on the foot um, after he was feeling some discomfort and soreness during the first summer league practice uh, before the the team started playing in Las Vegas. Uh, Of note, Nate McMillan on the broadcast said that it was an x-ray, but I was expressly told that it was an MRI that Griffin had. I'm not really sure on the x-ray front, but he did play did have an MRI. It was clean, showing nothing of concern by what the Hawks have told me. And uh, he's being held out as out of basically out of precautionary measures. Now, obviously, it's not great, but the fact that there's no acute injury, I was told that again today. Um, he's also, I was told he was working out in Atlanta virtually every day between the draft and summer leagues. It's not like this, he was, this is a long term thing. He's already been playing with the staff in Atlanta before the Hawks came out to Las Vegas. So precautionary, um, by the way, they still have not ruled him out for the finale of summer league at this point in time, uh, at least as, as, as when I'm recording this, I would be kind of surprised if he played in the finale, by the way, before I forget to say this, the Hawks will play one more time in Vegas. It'll be either Saturday or Sunday when the league uh, sort of releases the final schedule. It will not be in the actual Summer League final because the Hawks have two losses already. They've kind of been ruled out of that already. But uh, every team is guaranteed five games. They'll be playing at least one more time, either on Saturday or Sunday in the desert. Um, And yeah, We'll see if he as if he plays there. I would guess that he doesn't, but that's the latest I have on Griffin. He had an MRI. It was clean, and this is all precautionary at this point in time. Also, James Akinjo did not play due to illness in the game on Thursday. That's kind of all I have for you on that front. Um, as for the game itself, uh, obviously sort of a back-and-forth effort. The Hawks were sort of playing level with the Spurs for large portions of the game, then got down by 10-plus, and then had the big-time close led by Tyson Etienne, who we'll come back to later on in the show. Same starters as Tuesday. That sort of smaller unit with Shawnee Brown at the four. They played okay early on. The Spurs kind of broke it up with a 20, 21 to eight run later on, uh, sort of late in the uh, in the quarter in the second quarter, I should say. Um, the first half, Hawks only, only took eight threes in the half itself. They took fourteen in the second half, which is probably better for you spacing wise. But space has been a concern for this Hawks roster the entire time in Las Vegas. They had more turnovers and assists in that first half. The second quarter was honestly more like the first two games of just kind of hideous offense, not a lot of spacing. Uh, it was better than that throughout the rest of this game, but that second quarter was kind of a reminder of the early part and the early struggles. There was a nice catch and shoot through by, by Shreve Cooper early in the second half, and the Hawks played pretty decently for most of the third quarter and then sort of made a little push with the second unit late in the third quarter to get back in touch, back within a uh, single digit, single digit at that, at that point in time. And then Tyson Etienne, the rookie from Wichita State, 
kind of took it over a little bit. Shoot them back in the game, basically overall. He hit five threes in his first 17 minutes of action, including two in a row to cut the lead down to four with about five minutes left. Then Shreve Cooper tied the, tied the game on a jump shot and then made free throws for the lead. So it was a 14 overall run, 14-0 overall run by the Hawks to go from down 10 to up four in the final minutes of the fourth quarter. Um, unfortunately for the Hawks, Justin Tillman suffered a leg injury right about that point in the in the game. He left. Uh, he was not necessarily having to be carted off or anything like that, but he was holding his leg slash knee area. No further update at this point in time, but we'll keep an eye on that for the finale. But Tillman's a guy, a guy that a lot, of, a lot of Hawks fans are invested in as he was in College Park last year, etc. From there, sort of the nuts and bolts is that the Spurs finally scored, and then Cooper got blocked twice at the rim in the final 90 seconds or so. Uh, also missed a step back jumper, but um, the Spurs actually took the lead briefly with like 30 seconds to go to get them the lead. But then after a timeout, Etienne, again, uh, sort of using his shooting gravity to draw the defense out and then drive by that for a layup to take the lead. And then after a timeout, the Spurs turned it over. And it was actually a steal credited to Etienne. So uh, he was definitely the hero of the day for Atlanta. I'll start there on my personal sort of uh, wrap up of this game in, in particular for, before we get to Graham later on in the podcast. But Etienne was definitely the big story in terms of the success of the Hawks in this one. 21 points, five threes, two steals. He's from Wichita State. He's a rookie. Uh, didn't have great numbers the first three games. And people were kind of asking me, like, what happened to him the first three games? And I was like, well, you know, this is kind of what you get in summer league. He's coming off the bench, averaging 13 minutes a game before this one. Obviously, this, this, this does not include today's game. But the first three games, 13 minutes, shot about 28% from the floor. 25% from three, six points, uh, about one, about a little bit over one rebound and less than one assist per game. Uh, it is worth noting, though, that Etienne is actually on an Exhibit 10 contract that was reported by ESPN's David Miniman on draft night. Etienne is an actual true rookie. He's 22 years old out of Wichita State. But that Exhibit 10, without going crazy into that, basically means that that's a training camp style contract, which means I would expect at this point that Etienne will probably be in camp. People are asking me, like, does this earn him a spot on the team? I would say probably not at this point still. He is a pretty interesting prospect, a guy that I talked about a little bit before Summer League started, but he wasn't starting. He wasn't playing big minutes on the Summer League roster. I think he'll be in camp based on that Exotic 10 contract. Um, there is an open two-way slot potentially available. Of course, you also have still Tyrese Martin and Sharif Cooper, both unsigned at this point in time. So there aren't that many slots available, and I think Etienne's at least reasonably interesting. If I had to guess, I'd probably say he probably, he's probably not going to be on the roster, but maybe College Park um, for this year. And that wouldn't like absolutely blow me away if they signed him to a two-way, but alas – that's where we are at this point uh, for ETM. But uh, people asking, pretty excited about us. I definitely, he was awesome today. So no question about that. But uh, I think he's a, I think he is a prospect. He's not, he's not a guy that I would just cross off necessarily, but we'll see if he can follow this up with more and then going into training camp on that X10 contract. Elsewhere, uh, the guys of note for the Hawks in this one, Tyree Smart, a little bit more quiet than he was in the breakout game that he had on Tuesday, but he, I thought he played pretty well again, 13 points. Four rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block in 25 minutes. He was 5 eight from the floor. A little bit less in terms of his uh, overall shot profile, but a couple of nice creation moves off the dribble. His crossover has been very effective so far in Summer League. I will also attribute this to Kevin Chouinard of Hawks.com, but he's uh, been pretty effective when not making decisions too early when he has the ball on the move, making good decisions overall, not being irresponsible with the ball in general. Did have two turnovers in this game, but I thought he played pretty well and uh, a lot of stuff that you can certainly be encouraged by for the second-round pick in this game. Uh, Sharif Cooper made his first couple of threes in Summer League. He was 2 of 4. Unfortunately, he was 2 of 11 
on twos in this game. It was kind of the opposite of what it had been in the first few games. He was really, really passive, especially in the first two games. Cooper was almost too aggressive hunting his own shot in this one. He had some success early on, but he definitely uh, sort of dragged that down with a pretty ugly last three quarters for the most part. A couple of nice plays in the fourth during that comeback, but I think that Cooper was not his best self in this one. And a little bit, probably a little bit too shot happy and probably try to find that, that balance. But I, I understand that sort of over, overcorrection, overcorrection because he was a little bit passive in those first few games. For the Hawks, but still good to see him having a couple moments, but not, not necessarily very good from Cooper overall and really sort of grading the first four games. It's been pretty rough, all things considered, for Cooper. Elsewhere, Shawnee Brown was okay in this one. Four back from the floor, had four assists, a couple nice floaters. Uh, for the most part, the first three games, he's been more of a jump shooter. A couple nice mid-range attempts in this one, but uh, and defensively, he's always pretty solid. Um, beyond that, you know, rotationally, I thought Tillman was okay when he came back in uh, pre-injury. Joel Ayayi is a guy I continue to like quite a bit. Seven points, 11 rebounds, five assists, and two steals for a guy who's like 6'5", 6'6", and like 190 pounds. Uh, he's a sort of do-it-all guy that I've always sort of attracted to in that way, but, uh, you know, obviously I wish he was a little bit, little bit bigger, a little bit more offensively inclined, but I, I've always loved what he does as a support player. Um, other than that, Kenjo did not play in this one. He was out with illness. Joe Hutchinson did not play. I think it was just a DMPCD. Chris Clemens was kind of quiet. Uh, Alpha Cabo was kind of uh, a DNP until the third quarter. Ended up playing 10 minutes, but his his lack of spacing on offense is definitely a problem in a lot of different ways. So I don't, have, I don't have much else to add about everybody else on the roster at this point in time. But overall, a nice resilient win for the Hawks. Always better for the team morale when you win a game like that. And we'll get into uh, the rest of that stuff with Graham Chapel in a moment. But uh, that'll be it for the first four scheduled games for the Hawks. One more time, the Hawks will play at least one more game. And I should say exactly one more game, either on Saturday or Sunday in Las Vegas. I'll be home before that. So that game will be, I'll be recording that, that post-game podcast from my home. But alas, they do have one more scheduled game. So stay tuned for that. I will uh, probably be tweeting that out either on Hawks or at my Twitter account that you can see on YouTube at BT Roller when I have that information either uh, late Friday or into Saturday. Before we get to the rest of the podcast, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is Built Bar. For the people that have been healthy and tasty, comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You probably already tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment as well. That's right, Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor that you absolutely love is now in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of Coconut Brownie goodness. Stop drooling now and listen. They're actually good for you as well. They are low calorie. They are low sugar, high protein, and all delicious coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time as well. So go to build.com right now to make sure you don't miss out on all the fun there. They're going fast because they actually taste amazing. And all built bars are made with collagen protein, which actually helps your body to absorb efficiently and also provide a ton of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good right now. It's also good for you. The best part about Built Puffs is that they actually taste amazing, but you really can enjoy them guilt-free because they're actually good for you. And with all of that said, go to Built.com for all of the latest at Built Bar, including these delicious puffs. Built.com is where you need to go, and the promo code is LOCKED15. One more time, that is Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off on your order with Built Bar. Last time, promo code LOCKED15, 50% off at Built.com. I am joined now by friend of the podcast and friend of mine, Graham Chapel of Peachtree Hoops from across the pond. Even though it's early, today's a, it was an early, a rare afternoon Hawks game. It's still uh, late in the evening for Graham. So thank you for joining me, my friend. No, thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's good to be back. I thought I'd take advantage of this afternoon tip off and get you uh, get you on an earlier podcast. And even then, it's like, what is it, like midnight, something like that? <laughs> You're done. Uh... Around eleven o'clock, that's not too bad. There you go, eleven p.m. So like you're, you're in my normal my normal post game time slots like eleven p.m. So uh, you're right in that uh, normal window. But no, I appreciate you coming on. I, I uh, before I brought you in, talked a little bit about the game today. The Hawks uh, come from behind, thrilling 
victory in Las Vegas. Uh, actually, it was kind of entertaining in the second half of this game. I wonder what you make of this. Obviously, the result doesn't matter a whole lot, but it's always good to see some resilience. And I, I know, generally speaking, uh, guys are ready to go home by now in Las Vegas, but it's still better when you win. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's funny, like you say, the second half was good. Like, I, I think midway through the third or fourth quarter, I think I've sent a, sent a message into the Peachtree Slack. Like, the second half has really had nothing of interest other than hitting <laughs> a few shots. Then you hit a few more, and then they came from behind. It, it was entertaining, to be fair, down down the stretch. And you like to see how guys respond to the close game situation, give the coaches something to work with as well. So, yeah, positive uh, when they come through and win. And it was, it was entertaining, to be fair. Crowd was getting into it as well when Etienne hit a few shots as well. And then, look, it was, it was fun to watch him go off. We haven't had a whole lot to really enjoy with this Hawks of a league team. So just to see a little bit of a condition was, was entertaining, if nothing else. Yeah, it was lively. And uh, as a person who's been in many, many summer leagues, by the time you get to like the late in the uh, late in the process, the vibe isn't quite the same in the building. But uh, when there's a comeback like that, when you, I think they were down like 10 with like five minutes to go and they come back and win. And uh, it was a little bit more interesting than you might think at this point in time. And you, you mentioned Etienne. Let's just start there. Obviously, he was the star of the day for the Hawks. I, I talked, talked about him a little bit before I brought you in. But, um, you know, you see the, t- the typical reactions like, all right, put this guy on the roster right now. And I, I, I will say. He's on Exhibit 10 contract, so he'll be around. But uh, what do you make of him? Because, you know, I know you've been watching all the way through like, like I have. He was not necessarily great in the first three games, but he was quite good today. Yeah, I honestly didn't think much of him heading in those first three games, and then he went off today. But I, well, I like to see at the end, he obviously he hit those shots, but I like to see that drive he had yep. uh, at the end there. That was really encouraging. He had a little, little, little burst of speed, which was good to see. It was sure that he obviously just more than, at least on the surface, at least more can could do more than just shoot. But So I liked that more than... Obviously, it's good to see a guy just take down a lot of shots and get five threes. But I, I just really like that, especially at a, a time in the game where, like, obviously, Martin's been really consistent and he's been good. They obviously have Cooper, but they went to just going to Etienne late game. I, I liked that. I liked what Etienne had there. I liked, I liked him showing that little, little turn of speed and getting to the rim as a tough, tough layup as well. Yeah, that was a pretty intriguing finish, especially because I think he kind of leveraged himself the way that he had been. He had been so hot that I think he probably knew that and they overplayed him a little bit. And I think he used that to his advantage. And listen, I mean, he didn't shoot great last year at Wichita State. I think like 33% from three. But in the first two years of his college career, he shot like 39% on pretty good volume. I think I think he's a, I think he's a real shooter. Um, and I like that signing when they did it. You know, the Exhibit 10 contract is interesting too because you don't have to do that for a summer league guy. Like that's kind of the level between summer league invite and two-way contract is Exhibit 10. Like they want to see more of you and they want to bring you to training camp. So I think that he is a prospect on some level. It's not exactly a guy who's just like totally anonymous. He was a two-time like all AAC player in college. Um, I wouldn't go crazy about this performance, but I think that he was already pretty interesting. I wish he was like 6'5", because he's kind of a combo-ish guy. He's, I think he's listed at 6'2". Um, but, you know, this is a real this is a real guy on some level. Yeah, absolutely. Look, no harm seeing what more there is from him from in uh, in training camp. So, like, I was looking at the tweet from, I think, Dave McMillan, I the ESPN reported this, is like June 24th. Yeah. So it was done a while ago. So it's good to have good to have that, I guess, done and an encouraging performance here. And I want to see how he follows it up. I imagine he might, maybe he might slide into the starting, starting lineup to, to finish. I'd like to see what he can do when he, you know, to see what he, he can build on this. Yeah, I think that I'll, I'll just let's wrap it up on the on the end. I think that him being signed to that deal quickly is an, is indicative of him having offers. Like a lot of summer league guys. 
guys. They'll, they'll just take whatever they can get to get on a roster. I think he had probably his of opportunities for summer league. And I think that exhibit 10 is like, he got some guaranteed money to come not only to summer league, but also to training camp. And uh, he was more in demand than your typical summer league guy, which kind of tells you a little bit what the, about what the league thinks of him too. I think he is a, a real guy to keep an eye on. Um, Beyond that, um, I think unless we uh, want to go into Alpha Kaba, we can move on to we can move on to uh, Martin and those guys. I guess I guess I should probably ask you. People always ask about, about Alpha Kaba. Uh, I've kind of closed the door on Alpha Kaba being a being a thing. Do you agree with that, or are you still holding on hope on him? Uh, do you know what? The first game went pretty well, I thought, for Alpha Kaba. Yeah, I was he like, was okay. okay. <laughs> I, can, I can get behind this, and then that disappeared very quickly. And then Tillman came to the starting lineup, and um, yeah, and today it wasn't great either. Ten minutes. Uh, just the one point. Yeah, I think you can close that that door. It's been fun. Look, it has been fun to get excited for that. <laughs> obviously he's the 60th pick and Schlink's first summer, but yeah, I think you can close that one. Yeah, Cobb is 26 now, and uh, you know he didn't play at all in the first half this one, which which seemed to be intentional to get Grant Golden back in. He hadn't played, but you know, the fact that he's you know kind of in a small role on a summer league roster at age 26. I know he's a draft pick of this regime, but uh, barely. So yeah, I think without, without being uh, piling on, I think that's probably going to be the end of the, uh, the Kaba prospect era. Um, we can go on from there. I want to save Sharif for a second, but uh, anybody else that you think like, is sort of interesting from a non-roster standpoint, my guy the entire way has been Joel Yahi, who had a kind of a weirdly awesome stat line today with seven points, 11 rebounds, five assists, and two steals. Uh, he's been a guy I've liked for a while going back to Gonzaga, but is that- else on the roster that you want to get into that's not one of the roster uh well i mean everyone's i think everyone's enjoyed tillman uh justin tillman and yes yeah. I, I, suddenly i looked at the i looked at the box score after the game today and he's he actually five or seven for 11 points and it felt like he had done worse than that somehow it was odd uh i haven't i, I think he's had hasn't he been missed, as good he, as he, those first two games this is his first two I, th- I think he missed his first two today or something like that and you look up five seven and for 11 points <laughs> mm. i still think he's ha- he was better in his first two games coming off the bench than he has in, in the starting line but yeah look at solid production uh i've th- I, I i've liked his defense i i've liked how active he's been so he's been fun to watch uh i thought grant golden had a really nice kind of spin move and then missed the shot but that's about all i could say about grant golden uh <laughs> sean D. brown has obviously been pretty pretty consistent uh, i think he was the leading hawk scorer heading into today i think he's like averaging like 15 points headed before today's game uh just of eight points today four of nine but i've really liked how he's looked coming downhill when he gets a bit of momentum i've liked him in those in those scenarios so i've, I've, I've enjoyed i've enjoyed sean D. brown and there hasn't been a lot to say about other guys outside of that i mean chris clevens can light it up did not do that today but yeah, eh, it's not been the most amazing Hawks uh, roster of uh, Summer League compared to obviously we've, we've been treated with obviously even last year with Shreef and Jalen and obviously John Collins and, and Young in, in the past as well. So a bit of a down year from a Summer League perspective, but eh, there's been there's some little bits here and there to, to get excited about. Yeah, I, I agree in general. I'm going to ask you about a couple more guys. Of course, we're going to shoot Cooper in a second and maybe some thoughts on uh, other Hawks transactions. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. All right, Graham. Uh, you mentioned Shondi Brown. Obviously, he is already on the two-way contract, so I've, I've had my eye on him a lot. It's really interesting. I think Kevin Starr talked about this, our mutual friend. Um, it's like he's been playing the four the last couple games and looks more comfortable doing that. But like he's six five, maybe six six, and it's like this interesting thing where like I think he's probably better as a modern four right now. But also, he he's he told me 
this week that he thinks of himself as a two three. Um, I, I just wonder like what his role is. I mean, I think we, when we saw him last year in with the, with the big league club, he was really playing the four, but it was like that kind of COVID anything goes kind of time when they're just kind of plug trying to plug holes. Do you think he's like a plug and play guy that they can potentially use this year? And uh, do you think he's more valuable at the, as sort of a small ball four option? Yeah, it makes sense that you kind of slot in in that in that position. I know players like to disagree on where they they should play, <laughs> so yeah. probably not surprising. But I like him. In a, I was thinking, you know, he'd be more in, one of the more interesting players coming into coming into camp, just because. Yeah, I think you could slot him in. Like he's, I think he's decent on the move. He can space the floor a bit. Uh, as of, obviously, he's quite a good frame to him. So you know, you can stick him in that four spot. I wouldn't do it for long periods, but uh, it's it's interesting kind of the philosophy on that, even from the Hawks. So obviously, we. Obviously, there's a Kongu in the mix as well, and he's at the five, and he, like you would call him an undersized five. So it's not out of the norm for something the Hawks look at. So, uh, yeah, I, I like, I enjoyed his play. I, I think he definitely can. You can plug him in. I, I do enjoy his work on the move, uh, can space the floor as well. So, yeah, I, I like him in that position, uh, even if he does seem as more of a, of a two or a three. Yeah, I think he's sort of, uh, there's like different ways of looking at two-way contracts. Some guys are like total projects with like theoretical upside. And some guys are more like lower ceiling plug and play guys. He's definitely more of that. He's an older guy um, for a two-way contract. But uh, I think that he is someone that Nate would would probably not hesitate to throw in there if they had to. You, if you get an injury to somebody and you kind of have to play him for 12 minutes on a Tuesday night, you could probably get away with that. And they kind of value that in their two-way slots for the most part. Um the last two guys that we'll get into summer league wise are Tyrese Martin and Sharif Cooper. Um, Martin, I thought was obviously really good on Tuesday with 21. I think he had in that game, something like that. Um, he had 13, four and four on Thursday. I really like the way he's, he's, he's been attacking the rim. Um, and obviously he's a well-rounded guy to the point where the Hawks have sort of touted his defense coming out in terms of when they drafted him. What have you seen from him? Obviously I know you're, I know you're not watching a ton of American college basketball <laughs> during your, uh, <laughs> during your, during your, uh, your time, but uh, what do you make of Martin as a prospect so far? Yeah, I've been pleasantly surprised. I wasn't expecting a whole lot from from Martin heading in, just because I just again, like you said, I don't watch uh, college basketball, and you know, you see, you know, what's he fifty second overall? Fifty first, I believe it was the first. Oh, sorry, yeah. there you go. <laughs> uh, sold sold one too 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 short. Well, so I didn't really have a lot of expectations, but I've really been impressed with how he's attacked the rim. I've liked how he's been able to carry out space for himself on some of those drives. Uh, I know in some instances you could, you, you maybe could call it a little bit of the forearm leading, but I've I've really liked how he's attacked and he's managed to find those little spaces for himself to get into that jump shot, which has looked pretty good. It's 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 fallen for him for the for the most part. Uh, probably took a little back seat in this game with the Spurs just because of the Etienne kind of ignition. So just the eight shots, but look, still shot five of eight, got to the free throw line a little bit as well, which is nice. 13 points. Uh, yeah. I've, I've been presently surprised by, by Martin's play. Uh, I have to say, I wasn't ex- quite expecting him to be as kind of smooth offensively as, as he has been. Uh, so I've, yeah, I've been impressed, but I've really just have loved how he's just got some good shots for himself. Creators that like kind of just kind of some of his own space for himself. Yeah, and clearly he won't probably play a big role for the Hawks this year, but he does mm. kind of bring something that they don't have a lot of, which is that shot creation off the dribble. Like, obviously with Trey and now Murray on the roster, they have a little bit more of that than they've had in previous years. But that's been his most impressive thing to me is like his ability to just handle and get by guys and get to the rim um, and finish to the rim. Like he's, his finish has been, has been pretty intriguing. He's been active enough uh, as a steal and block guy. And also he had four assists today, and that's actually nice for him. He, that's one of his knocks on him actually is his sort of lack of passing and Lack of, lack of assist in college, but uh, I think he showed a couple of nice, couple of nice reads. Rebounding wise, has been pretty solid as well. So uh, I think that um, 
I'll be interested to see if they can sign him to one of those like multi-year uh, rookie contracts um, that kind of are very team friendly. Cause I think that the Hawks probably want to do that on some level, or maybe he'll be on the two way slot, but I think more will be around and you'll see more of him. And I think uh, if nothing else, he's been, I kind of agree with you. I think he's been better than I expected, even though I obviously saw him more than you did in college. I think that he's probably assimilated better than I thought in summer league. It's still summer league, but it's a mildly positive, I think. Yeah. I think he's played himself into some contention here for sure. Dan, I think, especially with, you know, Cooper struggles. I think he's definitely played himself into some more, a bit more contention here, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's get to, let's get to Cooper now before we close the book on summer league for now, for, for our discussion. Uh, Sharif, I thought this interesting. I know you've been watching this too. Uh, I thought it was weird. Cooper was so passive in the first couple games, like almost troublingly. So like just didn't have a lot of juice going, just kind of playing, going through the motions almost. And this game, he kind of went too far the other way and was like really, really, really trying to score. And he took 15, 15 shots plus six free throws and uh, was two of 11 on twos and got blocked. I think I think I blocked at least three times at the rim. Um, that's always been a concern with Sharif, which is the lack of size. Um, his passing still solid, but uh, it was another kind of, let's say, mediocre to be kind game for him. I thought he was better on Tuesday and then was better in the first quarter of this game. But we're kind of stretching. I, I got a text from someone who I would I would describe as a uh, as a as a league employee, not a, not not for the Hawks. He, he was a, he's an employee of a team in the league and was like, wasn't Cooper better last year in summer league? And I was like, yes, he was. Uh, so uh, I wonder what you make of uh, not, not 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 just today, but like what have you made of like Sharif's? I think it's, it's probably fair to call him struggles at this point. Yeah, what's he? He shot a four fifteen today, which takes him to ten of thirty five on summer league as a whole. Something like is... that. Yeah, it's not good. It's under 30%, which is which is rough. Uh yeah, it's I feel like the struggles are in his head a little bit as well. Like even you, you, you're struggling, you kind of you're aware of it. And he's he's got into the kind of into the defense and is just cut off and has to look for options out. And uh, he's not surrounded by what I describe as a wealth of talent this year, maybe compared to last year. Obviously, I think he's really missed a, a, that pick and roll partner in in Jalen Johnson, which I think has been Probably a little bit understated. Uh, well, maybe I'll just not that understated. He was pretty good last year. Yeah, uh, they both were. Yeah, he's. I thought the shots today weren't weren't too bad. Just uh, maybe I don't know. At the top of my head, I feel like thinking back to last year, I did think he made he made a, a quite a number of tough shots, and they just seemed to go down consistently for him in summer league last year. That's just off the top of my head. I would have to go back and. No, know, I think you're right. See them again, but. So maybe it could be an instance of maybe just some of those shots weren't, especially even today, obviously there's a lot there's a lot more shots, 15 of them. I think I think there were some good shots, just didn't fall. He got to the free throw line a bit more, at least uh, against the Spurs. It, it, there was at least, I think, that positive. He's, he had to get to 15 points just by making poor shots. Uh, hit, a few, hit, a, hit a few threes, but yeah, I I think maybe defense has kind of maybe loaded up a little bit on him a little bit more. There's not been a lot uh, else for the Hawks to really do. I yeah, he's just he has looked a little lost at times. His passing hasn't been quite as sharp. He just hasn't looked as sharp as he did last season. I don't know what he might have going on, but yeah, it's it's just been a real struggle. And he's got to good places, and then the defense is there in front of him at the rim, and then he's looking for places to try and get out. And some of those passes have gone a little bit, a little bit awry as well. And players have to go chase those as well. So yeah, it's he has obviously had a good 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 moments on on Tuesday facilitating the ball. I think he got nine assists. Yeah. Uh, so I think there has been some positive in that development. Nick, uh, Nick Van Exel has talk, been talking about him trying to slow down a bit. And uh, I think he did that to an extent on Tuesday. But yeah, it, it kind of it kind of looked like the Sharif of, you know, the first few games uh, and parts at least uh, today. Yeah. And I think that you, you can at least piece together some good stuff the last two games. 
Um, whereas the first two games, I don't, I don't say this with any malice as I've always liked Sharif as a prospect, but like, if you only saw the first two games and didn't know who he was, you would think he wasn't a prospect. Like that's how bad he was mm-hmm. in the first two games. Like he was just kind of an anonymous guy um, out there. Whereas like, you've at least seen the flashes the last two games. Like hasn't been great necessarily, but he did, he did make two threes today. Um, I was reminded of this looking it up in preparation for, I think uh, Tuesday's podcast, but I think he shot 36% from three in the G league last year which is pretty good. Like it's not, it's a totally solid for a guy that was his number one, probably weakness offensively coming out other than just the sheer size was his perimeter shooting. He's actually shot the ball pretty well as a professional. And today two of four, obviously was a little bit slow start beyond that, but uh, I don't know. Getting to the rim was, it was a problem. And if you can't, I mean, if you're having finishing trouble against G league defense, I'm uh, sorry, against uh summer league defenses, that's not exactly fantastic for you either. So I don't know. I'm not giving up on Sharif by any means, but uh, it's not been a good week. I think we don't want to, overstay that too much but um you know the fact that he's not been signed yet is uh we'll see where he lands in terms of two-way versus um full contract versus maybe not even on the team i'm not i'm not sure i would lean on that people were asking me of course like almost every day like what's gonna happen with sharif and i'm like if i had to guess he'll still be on the roster somewhere whether it be on a two-way or on a, or on a contract but it would no longer like stun me if he wasn't which is uh kind of tells you how how, how kind of rough it's been the last uh, few days so I call it a shame because if he had come into summer league and, and killed it, I think he has a good. There's a good scope of conversation that he could, you know, maybe land one of those guaranteed roster spots, and that's oh, yeah. kind of and that's got. I think that's kind of gone. I, I think least. he. I think he probably knew that too. I mean, maybe that's maybe something I know Van Exel. I know I, sh- I sent you the audio too. Like Van Exel's mm-hmm. kind of talked about him. Um, maybe be having a little bit of pressure on himself. I think he probably knows that there was some pressure on him here. Not, I mean, all these guys have pressure on them on some level, but I think that that, might, that probably didn't help him too much that he probably knew there was some, st- some real stakes running on summer league. And we'll see. I don't, I don't, again, I would probably still guess maybe the two way contract will be his, but um, yeah, we'll see in the next couple of days when I uh, learn more about what's going on with the roster. And uh, obviously he could, he could also almost also, uh, I guess, impress over the weekend when they play their final game, either on Saturday or on Sunday. Um, I don't know. Summer league is summer league. Graham, what should have more to add? We can uh, move on to one other thing I have, that I have to ask you about. And that is, uh, that is red velvet and his, uh, his, his exit from Atlanta. I know you have been a long Kevin Herter fan as I have been. I have. Uh, so when I, ch- I reached out to you to do this podcast, I was like, anything you want to talk about? You're like, well, Kevin Herter. I'm like, all right, well, here we go. Um, so obviously this is not new, but Herter going to Sacramento. Uh, you know, I wonder what your reaction was to that transaction. And also almost more importantly, you know, how that impacts the Hawks, because I you know Murray, the Murray trade's been um, sort of analyzed by everyone everywhere, nationally, locally, et cetera. Whereas the Herder trade, people like us are paying attention to that. Hawks fans are. But um, I wonder what you make of like what the roster looks like now without a guy like Herder that can sort of do so many little things to help you. Yeah, Herder was one of those re-dependable players that both for Lloyd Pierce and for Nate McMillan. Uh, I had in my preseason, or sorry, my uh, player review on Petri Hoops for Herder. I wrote that. Uh, out of the 303 possible regular season games, he played 274, which is just over 90. percent And yep. I remember, I remember in that second, I think it was that second season where I remember he hurt his shoulder in in Denver, <laughs> injury prone. And yeah, that was the thing. That yeah. was people, that was all people said, and th- this was a guy that you know from that point on played so many games. He played so many minutes, and they're like between both, even Lloyd Pierce and Nick McMillan, like there were multiple. Okay, like stretches where he would play entire four quarters, 12 minutes. Like, obviously, you had to get younger rest at the start, but it just showed the, how much the Hawks leaned on him. And they're obviously, he obviously did add so much, both uh, obviously shooting the ball, but he's also getting, he, I thought he was much better last season, even on the move, getting to those just those little spots inside the, just inside the arc. And he was just, his footwork, I thought, was really improved. He looked a lot more spry. 
I just thought he was really improved last season compared to season before. Obviously, you, you might expect it in a fourth year, but I believe even coming off of the extension that he had he had signed. So yeah, obviously, look, uh, was he would he would he still start? You know, he probably probably wouldn't have started with Murray Murray no. coming in, but. You know that's a really dependable piece that is no longer yours to call upon, and we obviously you probably talked about the length of you know the how the Hawks' bench is 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 looking, and with Herder now you know obviously was slated to go to the bench with Murray coming in, uh, that's one of your more dependable just heck not even bench players that's just one of your dependable roster players period that is now no longer part of your of your roster so. It's gonna be gonna be a big loss for them because Herder obviously he was he's more than more than the shooter. <laughs> we've been, that's what we've been saying for for all yeah. for all these years. More than the shooter, and I think Herder is one of those players. I don't think the Hawks will, and even there, and the fans won't appreciate until now that and won't really appreciate now that he's. Sorry, <laughs> they won't they'll only appreciate him more now that he's gone. Yeah, no, I I totally agree, and I think that um, you know. If Bogey is healthy, uh, which is a big if, especially because he's not right now, um, that will be helpful, and the Hawks will have that punch at that shooting guard spot. But mm-hmm. I think the absence of another shooter, uh, while he is more than a shooter, as we just discussed, that um, is a weakness of this roster right now. Um, potentially, is a lack of spacing because you know Murray, for all his strengths, is not as good of a shooter just as a spacer as some of the other guys, and Bogey is uh, a big question mark right now, health wise. And then Gallo. You know, the one thing that we know he can still do is really shoot the basketball. So you you lose Herder and Gallo, and then Bogey's in his potentially reduced state. Those are three of your top four shooters on the roster along with Trey. And uh, that's a, a pretty interesting doubt. I mean, obviously, Justin Holiday can shoot it a little bit. Murray's not a non-shooter by any means, but uh, they have some work to do there. And then even Herder's defense, I think it's been – there's this still out there – there's still this book out there that's, that he's a bad defender, which is not really true. Like, he's a pretty useful defensive player and also a good ball mover, et cetera. So – yeah, it's, it's a real loss. I think that um, I am still higher on Justin Holiday than most people are, which is probably a little bit helpful, but they're just very different players. And um, I've said this before, I'll say it again. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure on Bogey now. I think that they're going to need Bogey to be good and healthy. More, more importantly, healthy than good, because I, 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 be, I think he'll be pretty good regardless if he's healthy and the shooting is real and all that stuff. But man, uh, it, it gets real ugly if they don't have Bogey. Like if Bogey if, if he has a setback or something like that, misses a month, uh, they don't have anybody there to provide that, even just the spacing and juice off the bench. Because Holiday is a solid shooter, but he's he's not Bogey or Herder as a shooter. Yeah, but not, like obviously with Bogey and Herder as well, like they both could handle the ball some as well. And it's just such yep. a luxury to have both of those guys in in that capacity that you could call upon. You know, not that you need to all the time, but that you could at least have to at your disposal. And if obviously Herder is now gone, and if Bogdanovich isn't healthy or available, then uh, and there's good reason to think that you know one of the two could be could be in play. Then, yeah, all of a sudden it's looking a lot more dicier for a, a bench that again was solid, and the shooting was obviously you know quite high up in the league as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a rough loss. Uh, if look if Bogdanovich is healthy and he's firing off the bench, then that obviously helps alleviate some of the loss that Herder, yep. uh, the gap that Herder leaves behind, but. Obviously, what's the likelihood of that? I mean, it could happen, but there is enough. To, there's enough there to, you know, to be skeptical that it may not. At the same time, yeah, I mean, that's uh, there are a couple of pivot points on this roster this season. Um, obviously, you know. 
Bogey's health is one of them, but between Bogey's health, between DeAndre Hunter, um, it's, it's probably the number one uh, pivot point of the of the roster this year. Because if Hunter is if Hunter is the guy he was last year, the Hawks are going to be frustrating. Mm. So those two guys, I think, are pretty easily circleable players, and even Jalen Johnson, who now is just written in pen at the moment as a backup power forward, like. I like Jalen Johnson a lot, but he's not a proven NBA rotation player right now. So that's a question as well. I think he's probably number three on the list behind the other two. And then, of course, just the big picture of like Young and Murray together, et cetera. There are some interesting questions, but I, I do think that uh, Herder not being there kind of magnifies both. I mean, definitely bogey, but even the Hunter thing. Like there were games where they could just kind of pull Hunter and roll with bogey and Herder together. And now maybe maybe it's just in holiday that, that gets that call in place of Hunter if Hunter's banged up or having a bad night but the depth there just isn't the same as it was no and they're, they're really gonna miss that again just a guy and they talked about it at length at different points last season about just how you could just slide herder in uh, whether it be you know whether it be whether Bogdanovich was out or Hunter was out the two or the three you could just slide him in there and you know exactly what you were getting he's gonna be dependable he's gonna be available and yeah just with that gone and Bogdanovich is Held a bit more of a question mark, and heck, even Hunter at times we've seen him miss, you know, decently decent periods off the bench. Oh yeah, we saw how like heck we saw how, how much they had to lean on heck, Timothy Luaru Cabarro, and he was the, <laughs> the last the last signing of of yeah. uh, of the, for the roster. So uh, it's it's a position where the Hawks sometimes need to be able to slide someone in just because not everyone in that position can is is always healthy. It's just what they've shown so far. Yeah, and as a quick reminder, I don't want to belabor this point too much. We'll do more of this later on in the offseason, but um, the bogey injury question is already out there, and that, that's acknowledged by everyone. He had that procedure. He's going to be out till at least training camp. But DeAndre Hunter, you kind of referenced it, but he's only played 76 games in the last two seasons combined. Like, mm. he's not a lock to be healthy and healthy and consistent out there either. I mean, I, I talked about this a lot last year, how he wasn't very good overall, but he played – you know, less than two thirds of the season last year, and then obviously missed three quarters of the season the year before. So he's not locked to be out there either. So anyway, uh, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole too, too much here, but I wanted to at least talk about Kevin Herter because I know you and I uh, enjoyed his work immensely and that'd be a loss for the Hawks. Um, Graham, anything else you want to add um, before we get out of here? I know uh, we should plug your work at Peace for Hoops, which, which is always fantastic. I know you, uh, just for everybody listening, I'm not saying this because you're here, but I would say this regardless. Uh, Graham is uh, someone who's like working at like five in the morning a lot of the times, getting this stuff out and getting stuff done or, or staying up till three or whatever. Like it's, it's very, very difficult to cover an NBA team from across the pond where he lives. And uh, shout out to you for uh, doing all that grind because I know having edited you firsthand uh, how much you are doing. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Thanks. It's look... Oh, it's good fun. It's just, just, yeah. It's a little, 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 uh, little taxing in the body. But you know what? It's <laughs> yes. It's okay. It's there's no longer rebuilding gears. I don't have to watch too much of, uh, you know, nights where it's just loss after loss. So it helps when the players are <laughs> the roster is better as is currently constructed. Yes, absolutely. And uh, there were, uh, I was just reminded as I was saying that there were uh, times when I was at Summer League in Las Vegas, three hours behind, uh, and, and having to wake up at like 3 a.m. to edit you because you uh, were working on because you were eight hours ahead of me working on whatever Sorry. you were working on for someone. No, it was just, it was just hilarious to kind of, to kind of do that. And uh, our, uh, our mutual friend and former, former uh, blogging colleague, Jeff Siegel, was always on the West Coast. We, we always had the, uh, the crossover there too. But um, Grant, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, people should be following you where on the Twitter machine? uh ash graham underscore chapel i will attempt to be a bit more active in the summer 
No, I know you when the season starts. Uh, not everybody has to tweet as much as I do. I probably have a, I probably have, a, have an addiction to Twitter, so uh, there's no shame in tweeting less. But I uh, I always say the same about Ben Ladner, who tweets every once in a while when he's uh, on this podcast as well. But uh, I really do appreciate you coming on, my friend, and we will do this again. Uh, I, I, I was I will always look for opportunities to talk to you at a reasonable hour for you. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. I am headed home, mercifully, from Las Vegas uh, later on this week. But I'll be back when the Hawks play again, either Saturday or Sunday, with full coverage. As always, subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll see you all next time.